Did any of you see the um, the title that we put on Facebook like a few hours ago? So we called it uh, "Sensitive versus Sensible." This is based on um, a verse in the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is talking about our speech, our words. So, um, but before we begin, we do a little invocation. Everyone can repeat after me. Om, Om. Namo, Namo. Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om, Namo, Bhagavate. Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Hare Krishna So this is from chapter 17 and so it goes like this and we'll see maybe some, maybe some of you can take it home with you So it goes Anudvegam karam bhakyam satyam prihitam chayat swadayaya bhyasanam chayva vanmayar tapa uchate. So the first word is Anudvega. Can you say that? Anudvega. Anudvega. So that means uh, agitation. And karam means to cause. And so these are. Uh, different types of disciplines or austerities of speaking that to spiritualize or sanctify your speech so it brings you upwards instead of dragging you down. Uh, there are different disciplines of speech. So, anudvegam karam. So, not to cause agitation. Anudvegam karam vakyam. Bakyam, bak is related to the root of the word voice. So bakyam is the speaking or speech. Satyam, has anybody heard of that word before? Satyam, so satyam means truthful. So we're, uh, the f there's five points that are there in the verse, and we're going to take four of them, and they're basically two of them are in one section and two are in the other section. Sensitive and sensible. So which section do you think Anadvegam is? Sensitive. Sensitive. And Satyam? Sensible. Sensible. Then Priyam. Very sweet, dear. Priya. Maybe you've met a girl named Priya in India. There's a lot of people named Priya sometimes. Yeah. So very uh, dear or sweet. And so which side is that? Sensitive. Uh, and hitam. Hitam means beneficial. Means, what, what side would that be? Sensible, yeah. And swadayaya. Can you say that? Swadayaya. Swadayaya means to refer to sacred literature. Um, so the, the first four are most common, and then the swadaya, if you, especially if you're speaking about spiritual matters, you should give some, some reference. Where does it come from? Where does your idea come from? Is it just from your head? Because the, uh, from the Gita's perspective, the spiritual world is beyond our heads. You know? 
So that if it's just from our head, it's not going to reveal that which is beyond. So Swadaya, it should have some some outside of outside of not our only our head, outside of this universe source, outside of the material atmosphere. How do you learn about Japan? It is not from Dallas, it is from Japan side information comes. So how do you learn about something that is outside of the material world? Information must come from that source. Swadayam, Swadayayam, Vyasanam. Can you say Vyasanam? Vyasanam. Tapo, Maya, Uchate. I don't know if this is a good one. Anudvegam karam vakyam. Anudvegam karam vakyam. What does anudvegam mean? Not agitating. Did we agitate you, I asked. Anudvegam karam vakyam. What is karam? Karam is causing agitation. Agitation causing words. Bakyam. Or speech. Anudvegam karam bhakyam. Satyam. Priya. Hitam. Chayat. Satyam. Prihitam. Chayat. Does anybody can say the first line? Anudvegam karam bhakyam. Anyone else say the first line? Vakyam. Anudvegam karam bhakyam. Anybody else can say the first line? Anudvega karam bhakyam. Satyam prihitam chayat. So what does satya mean? Truthfulness. Priya. Precious, dear. Yes. And uh, hitam is beneficial. Swadayaya brahasanam chayva. Vanmaya tapuchate. So there are different types of austerities of speech. Next verse talks about austerity of the mind. And there's a verse before it talks about austerity or disciplines of the body. Um, for example, in the Bhagavatam, in the 12th canto, there's a whole section predicting the future. And this, this is a book written 5,000 years ago, and it says, in the future, people will very much be concerned about their hair. <laughs> and beauty will thought to depend on hairstyle. So there's so much money spent on hair. Yeah. Um, or if you don't have hair, there's a lot of money spent on like fixing that. If you want to <laughs> try to do, deal deal with that, so um, there's another, there's different verses talking about uh, all kinds of things. But and it talks about in the future how uh, over taxation people will uh, try to escape government control. Like for example, in North Korea, people try to escape because it's a lot of uh, oppressive government going on, different uh, treatment that's going on. And one of them is, also, it says, uh, Kutumba, Daksham Kutumba Bharanam. 
It says that a person who can maintain a family, like have a, a you know, husband or wife and children, will be regarded as an expert man. Like, wait, how'd you do that? How'd you not break your... How did the family not break apart? You know, a hundred years ago, it wasn't a big deal, but now it's like you want to get an interview from you know, different magazines, you know, figure out how do you do that? How do you do it? We don't know how to do it anymore. So that was another prediction that was given. Um, it, it talks about the kind of fleeting nature of relationships and uh, you know, community, all different things. Another one it says is a person who is audacious, who goes up to people and says, I think you're ugly. You know, just doesn't have that sensitive side. You know, doesn't care if it's uh, not agitating. Doesn't care that it's, it's not pleasing or dear. And be regarded as a very truthful person. Just because they got like a nasty mouth. You know, someone says, like, you know, goes, sometimes you have politicians they speak nastily, nastily. And people say, look, that person's very truthful. He, he's just got an honest heart. He just says whatever he feels. But the, his lack of caring for others' feelings doesn't mean that he is necessarily honest. It don't actually equate to each other. But somehow people say that somehow that's, you know, because you speak very uh, it, uh, nastily, that means you're an honest person. I mean, even on the other side, if you don't speak nastily, it doesn't mean that um, they're also an honest person. They're, they're not dependent on each other. Uh, so satyam. Truth does not come from the anudvegam. They're, different, they're actually uh, different opposing qualities that can be um, one can be done uh, in a way that is an expense of the whole equation, meaning uh, you can be overly sensitive and not sensible, and you can be overly sensible and not sensitive, and that would be that is called verbal violence, because in the Vedic tradition, the word violence or himsa. Everybody, what's the opposite of himsa? Ahimsa. So ahimsa means nonviolence, but it means not to hurt others. It doesn't necessarily not to you know make someone bleed. It means not to hurt others, and so that can be also related to how you speak. And so let's see, we will get some examples here. So the tongue, very. You know, what was the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But it's more like sticks and stones. They might break your bones, but the words may break your heart. Very, very powerful. You can stop talking to somebody for 30 years or up until the point of death because some, some belligerent argument that took place. So we, like in politics, they talk about gun control. So we have our tongue. It's like, I'm sorry, little gun. So we have to keep it under control. Because it can hurt others. Very, very powerful. So. So what does it mean, this, the, the 
dear, mean or priyam, very um, pleasing. It means not to 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 speak to give peace to their mind. What's the opposite? I'll give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> so, and then not sensible. I mean, we sometimes we talk to express our thoughts, but sometimes we talk to just discover our thoughts. We're not really, we don't think before we speak, so it's not sensible. So we have, so overly sensitive to care so much about a person's feelings that we don't care about their future. It's like there may be a child that may need some kind of injection when the doctor's coming with a needle and he's yelling at the doctor, get away, you evil, cruel person. And the doctor may be so sensitive, probably not, but what if he is so sensitive, like, oh, yes, I, I don't want to hurt you, but perhaps this treatment is what's going to save his life. But no, 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 I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to be overly sensitive. Srila Bhakti Sananta Sarasvati. So you see, our, uh, we have a little statue here and a picture of our founder, Srila Prabhupada. His spiritual master, his name is Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati. And he says, if a man is on a, he's on a tall building and if there's no like railing, and he's kind of enamored by the scenery, he's about to fall off, what do you do? You say, excuse me. Or do you scream? Hey, stop, stop! You, you may scream and yell at him, you may even curse at him, you may speak all kinds of nasty things. Hey, you damn fool! <laughs> Stop, turn around, look, you know. So it's not sensitive at all, but it is for the person's benefit. So that is a sign that, you, that sometimes you have to be sensible, not be sensitive. Okay, and then what is the overly sensible? So you speak the right thing, but you're not considering how it affects. So you get an operation but it's like an operation without anesthesia. I mean, someone just goes around and says, I think you should do this, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. You, y'all people are wrong. Actually, uh, for example, generally in religious circles, a person, when they become more spiritual, religious, they don't become more understanding of others, they become more uh, critical of others. They see, oh, these people, they're doing it, that person's doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong, you're a fool. Everybody's doing it wrong. So it's not, it's not sensitive. And Krishna, uh, actually Prabhupada explains that if you don't have a relationship with somebody, then even if you have hitam, you have, maybe something you have is beneficial. Maybe you do have information that is beneficial for that individual, but they won't accept it. Who's going to accept the surgery without anesthesia? Nobody wants to accept it. So there is, there is both sides are there, sensitive, sensible. Like a teenager may think, oh, you're always finding fault with me. The parent may give some instruction. Oh, you know, they just cover it. They, they, if it's just, oh, if they don't get some encouragement, then it's like, oh, the only thing you do is find fault with me. The parent has concern. They're concerned about the future. Oh, you're doing this. Uh, you won't be able to go to college or, you know, they may have different concerns. Um, but if it's not with, done with enthusiasm and encouragement, then it, then it become, tends to alienate the person. 
So political correctiveness, this is a subject of sensitivity and sometimes it's overly sensitive. And so my freedom or your freedom it may depend on where, where your freedom ends where my feelings begin. So we don't, we don't want that. that, that that um, not that even if you have something wrong to say, it doesn't mean that that has to be illegal. There's some individual autonomy, individual uh, responsibility. Not that you know, every single thing is controlled. Let's see. For example. One person asked Srila Prabhupada, what, I don't know, what is something Krishna says? Everything, anything you do that takes you to me? Anything you do? And then Prabhupada said to the person, well, doesn't that mean, why does Krishna speak the Bhagavad Gita if there's no need to instruct? Because anything you do will take you to me. Any path, anything you do. Uh, so one has to examine the merit of different instructions, different paths. Just like you have different forms of therapy. You say all therapy is good, yes, but some all therapies may be good depending on your different situation. One therapy may not be. If you just got uh, a bullet to the heart, uh, sniffing doTERRA oil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I maybe some they may want you to believe that, but no, no. But however, you know, it might be good if you're congested or some of the other things. But if you're in stage four cancer, or may not be a good idea. So over overly sensitive or over political correctness. Now there's no uh, critique, no evaluation. If someone says, I follow all paths, that means they're not committed to any path. There's no commitment to anything. So, like someone says, oh, atheists, theists, it's all the same. How can it be the same? They both have opposing ideas. So where, where, where do you, what, what do you find merit? And where do you apply that? Teaching. That's what one has to see. The opposite is someone says, in my mind, is the only path. So, not yeah, just like that. There's not that, okay, surgery is the only medicine. No. There are many different forms, but you have to see what is uh, applicable to all different situations and what is its, what is its merit. So, you have. And so in the in the verse, let's see, I have it behind me. What's the first verse? First word? Anudvegam. What's the next one? Pakyam. Right there. Satyam Prihitam Chayat. You got, you got the first, fourth of it. Anidvegam karam bhakyam satyam prihichachayat. So this is the first one, number five, I think. 
or 15, 15. Purport, one should not speak in such a way to agitate the minds of others. Of course, when a teacher speaks, he can speak to the truth, the truth for the instruction of his, of his students. But the teacher should not speak to those who are not his students, if he will agitate their minds. So in our tradition, we have what is called Guru Parampara. We have spiritual teachers. For example, if you want to learn, uh, we're talking about medicine, if you want to learn medicine, you actually have to go to medical school. You can't really become a proper doctor just by reading books in the library. You have to have your misconceptions cleared. One of the words for a saintly person is sadhu. Sadhu, the root of that is to cut. So they cut away illusions, but they don't cut at our self. They only cut away at the illusion. And so here he's explaining that, that the saintly person, they, they first they see if there's a relationship. They don't just go around and tell people that go on bossing everybody around the world. But anybody who is willing to uh, hear from them, they try to give instruction based on that relationship. Therefore, Krishna explains that uh, it's important to have like a connection to a teacher. Otherwise, they may, the, the, the teacher will see, maybe this person, I could give them good advice, but we don't have a, a really strong relationship. So maybe they'll be too hurt if I tell them that wasn't very nice what they did or give some kind of personal instruction. This is penance as far as the talking is concerned. Besides that, one should not speak and not talk nonsense. The process of speaking in spiritual circles is to say something upheld by the scriptures. One should at once quote from scriptural authority to back up what he is saying. So, can, um, you think speaking not in a way that's not agitating to others is good? Speaking in a way that's not agitating to others. Do you think that's good? Can you back that up with scriptural authority? Is there a Sanskrit verse? Is it? There's no. I'm gonna break on curl. Whoa! You backed it up. One should at once quote from scriptural authority to back up what he is is saying. At the same time, such talk should be very pleasurable to the ear. Actually, many of the saints or kavis are great poets, and they can speak with great uh, eloquence and great beauty to just. Enthuse the heart. By such discussions, we may derive the highest benefit and elevate human society. There is limitless stock of Vedic literature, and one should study this. This is called penance of speech. So, somebody, I mean, Facebook is crazy. Somebody posted there was some politician, um, somebody who was running for some political position, and he has openly declared himself uh, a pedophile. And he is saying that I, like we said, an austerity of speech in the, in the beginning, we said, not austerity of speech, but the 
one who is audacious will be accepted as truthful. He's pushing out that, look, I'm just an honest person. But no, he's a very degraded person who is you know, giving some details on his life. So this is, uh, yeah. Well, any reflections so far? Would they want to pronounce what is perverse as being normal, and once you think it's normal, then it's accepted? Yeah. He may have to wait a, some some time, and then I don't know. I can I can tell you the information. Yeah, it was horrible. I think it's from Florida. Yeah, it was from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so not Florida. I don't know. Like, excuse me, anybody from Florida? He had a speech about the difference between a molester and a pedophile, and he was trying to justify it. And that's how it starts. It starts by tolerance, tolerating something, and letting it go to a certain point. Yeah. So it's, then it becomes acceptable. Then it becomes push. You know. That's overly political correctness. Yeah, that not is. sensible. No. Without sen you know, there has to be sensibility too. Um, so here's an example of sometimes there, there uh, truth that has that can be told. Sometimes it takes a person uh, to to person can be in a mood that they're just ready to hear, or sometimes life just drags them down. How many of you know who Dhritarashtra is? A few people know Dhritarashtra. So, uh, is he a nice fellow? Is he a nice fellow? Did he, um, did he plot to murder people, ever? A little bit, a little murdering? Yeah, he, tried to, he tried to kill someone. He tried to kill somebody in his family, little murderish plots. <laughs> so nothing worked. He tried this whole murderish plot with his nephews. Uh, he is Arjuna's uncle. And he tried to kill Arjuna and the whole family to steal their kingdom. And the whole <coughs> battle is to Krishna. To, their kingdom is actually planet Earth. And so Krishna doesn't want planet Earth to be ruled by this murderous fellow. And so uh, but the Bhagavad Gita is an example where that spiritual life doesn't mean that you leave everything behind. Even Arjuna is this great warrior. And he, because he's so sensitive and sensible, he's, he's very intelligent, he's very sensitive and sensible. He... He decides, I don't know if I should fight in this battle. Let me be spiritual and leave everything and go to the forest. And Krishna says, actually, you have a misconception of what spirituality is. Spirituality may mean that you have, may have, as a warrior, to fight to protect the world from these people. But you have to do it in yoga, in consciousness of me, fighting yoga. Not that your opportunity to be spiritual is to leave everything. And so, whole battle is fought. Whole battle is fought. Good guys win. A lot of people die. And this guy is living in the home of the people he tried to kill. The, the uncle. He is being fed and cared for by them. 
Because all, all everybody he knows is most of his close family that he was trying to put in. They all died in the battle. And so he's living with the, the people that he tried to murder. And he didn't just try to kill Arjuna. He, uh, they built a house made out of lac. Does anybody know? That's, that's a very flammable material. So they built this house. Arjuna and his brothers, they came to know about this through their, their other uncle, Vidura. So who's going to come up. Vidura is uh, very saintly, very wise. And so he went to Arjuna's older brother, Yudhishthir, and gave him kind of a secret, a hidden message. He spoke in a way that uh, only a very intelligent person could pull the, the meaning behind it. Because uh, people were hearing what the, their conversation, so he spoke in a way that people wouldn't, ordinary people wouldn't understand what his point was. And so the, this evil king, Dhritarashtra, he, he invited his nephews uh, to go have a nice summer beach trip at a palace. But they built the palace completely out of flammable materials. And um, they, so Vidura came there and he told them in this secret way that you know, the, this whole house that you're living in is made out of flammable materials. So they didn't leave the house. They said, okay, these people are trying to kill us, so it'd be good that they don't know that we're on to their scheme because it'd be more dangerous for us. You know? Better for us to look ignorant. And so they dug a big hole out of the house and they escaped about. And they lived in that house in fear for a year. And um, one day, some uh, some uh, it was it was the wife and the five brothers, and so one woman and five men one day broke into the house. They were all drunk, and they broke into the house, and they were just you know breaking into some nice mansion at night, having a party, and then the assassin came to burn the house. And those, they didn't know, oh, there's five people in the house. So they, 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 they came to know the assassins there, so they escaped, but there were five bodies behind <laughs> these people that broke in. And, um, thinking they were dead. Thinking, yeah. So they, they all thought they were dead for some time, and they reappeared. So they tried different ways. They tried, when, the, when their, one of the boys was young, they gave him poisoned food, but he was so, actually, so there's this guy named Bhima, and he is, he is like the Hulk of the Vedas. He's Hercules. He's it's so intensely strong. He, he is what we call in English a demigod. In English, American English, we use the word demigod not for angelic beings that have superhuman powers that live beyond this planet. It's usually some human that has an offspring with a demigod. What we call in the Vedic tradition, Devatar demigod is different from how most people in the American English use the word demigod. So he was a child of Vayu, the, the wind god, and, a, and an earthly being, earthly woman. So he was uh, extremely powerful. And um, so when he was young, 
One day they gave him Dutura poison. It was a very, very potent poison. And, but he, this, this guy is like the hopeless. And so they, they gave him a big feast. And finally, after eating and eating and eating, he actually fell asleep. He didn't die, he just fell asleep. And so what they did is they, they tied him with ropes and they dropped him into this lake. And this was a very special lake. It's like a celestial, kind of like a port to a different place. So he was, as he was going into the lake, there was all kinds of snakes. And the snakes, these cobras and all these different water snakes started to bite him. And their venom counteracted, immediately counteracted the, the plant poison, the detura poison. So he, these are, he was a saintly, he was a very saintly person. So he was just, everything would work out. Like, you know, like just like the um, burn, burning the house attempt. So he fell into this, different abode, the abode of the celestial snakes. And they were surprised by this giant, very muscular guy. And so they started to attack, them, attack him. And he fought them. He was killing a few. And then the leader, Kuvera, appeared. He said, no, 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 this is actually, he is related to me. He is, uh, Vayu is related to me. And this is his son. And so they offered him what is called Amrita. Amrita is, uh, you find that in, what is it, Indiana Jones movie? Which one was that? Uh, which is the one where they're trying to get the oh, nectar of immortality? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. Holy Grail. Holy Grail, yeah. yeah. So you find that sometimes in movies. So it describes that the beings of the heavenly planets drink this stuff called Amrita, which makes your body very potent and powerful and you can live thousands of years. And so they gave him that. They said, you, you can't, normal human can't drink one. It's so powerful, it's not used. You can't even drink one. And so he drank seven pots of it. And then he, uh, then he fell asleep again. And then the stuff started working in his body. And he came back. And he came back a thousand times more powerful. <laughs> and so he came out of the river, went back to see. And he, it was like the next day they came and saw him. And he was like a thousand times more powerful. And this guy, he was so powerful when he was a, a baby. The mother was nursing him. On a, and she was kind of in a very hilly area. And the baby slipped and fell and fell down a cliff and he broke the rocks below. <laughs> He's like the, what do you call him? What's his name? Oh. No, the meat. The mustache. 80s martial artist. Oh, Bruce Lee? No. Chuck Norris, yeah. <laughs> He's like the Chuck Norris, all the jokes. And Beamley dropped him off the cliff and broke the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so all these all these different murderous attempts were uh, started by this the father was behind all of it I, the, the sons were very evil but the father was also involved he was also implicit and so that's, that's, his name is Dutarashtra and so this is a section where 
His brother, Fidura, the one, the same one that saved the boys from the fire, he comes home and he sees that he's just, he's at the point of death. Now, what should you be doing before you die? Pray, think about God. What about, like, should you, like, get, pack all your belongings and, like, and you know, get it ready? And there was that story we heard about the um, the the boy who told the rich man, he said, my, my father's in heaven, and he would like to do some sewing. Can you bring this needle to him? And I was like, how do I do that? So put, can I put it in my mouth? No, the body's going to be, you know, turned into ashes. And... So he realized, I can't take anything with him. So in the Vedic uh, teaching, it's explained that what kind, what the type of consciousness you have when you die that decides where you go. At the time of death, you shouldn't be just milling around, holding on to your, you know, my money, my properties. You should just give all those things up and just be, you know, have only one focus. Go to go to a sacred place, a holy place, and focus your mind on God. So. One second. I'm just going to... Okay, coming up. Now, the king, the king uh, of the Corvus uh, uh, was not very sens sensible, okay? And, and the fact that, you know, instead of giving the entire kingdom over to the five brothers that were come of us, you know, they just said, give, give each one of the boys a city. And he responded that he wouldn't even give enough land to stick a pen in. Yeah. So it wasn't even sensible. Yeah. Even after the battle, he tried to kill Timothy. Did you know this? No, no, no. He tried to, like, he has a special... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's super strong. Yeah, yeah, he's... yeah and he's like... So then this guy, Vitarashtra, he's blind. But he also has this immense strength. Yeah, so they switched the Bhima's body with like a rock. It's like a some rock. statue, yeah. He, yeah he, statue. Like a like a stone statue and he crushed the statue. Yeah. yeah. Even after everything. And now he's living with them. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, so that's so I just read some lines that about this period right here where he's gonna try to help his brother saying move on. Thus Mahatma Vidura treated being treated like a godly person by his kinsmen, remained there for a certain period just to rectify the mentality of his eldest brother in this way bring happiness to all others. So he went up to his brother and says, please get out of here immediately. Do not delay. Just see how fear has taken, taken over you. This frightful situation, meaning impending death and time coming towards you, 
cannot be remedied by any person in this material world. My, my Lord, the Supreme Personality of God, as eternal time that has approached us all. Whoever is under the influence of the Supreme Kala, or eternal time, must surrender his most dear life. So time will rob you of your inheritance, your job, your spouse. Time will take everything away. Must surrender his dear life. What to speak of other things such as wealth, honor, children, land, and home. Your father, brother, and well-wisher and sons are all dead and passed away. And you yourself have expended a major portion of your life. Your body is now overtaken with invalidity. You're living in the home of another. You've been blind from your very birth, and recently you've become hard of hearing. Your memory is shortened. Your intelligence is disturbed. Your teeth are loose. Your liver is defective, and you're coughing up mucus. Vidura is telling his brother Dhritarashtra, Alas, how very powerful are the hopes of a living entity to continue his life. Verily, you're living just like a household dog. Now, so this is, he's not trying to be sensitive. This is not the time to be sensitive. He is the brother, so there is some sense of sensitivity that he would, he, if, any, if he's going to listen to anybody, this is the person he would listen to. But he is just trying to be sensible. You're living just like a household dog and eating the leftovers given by Bhima. So the guy he's trying to would try to kill, he's like, You're eating his leftovers like a dog. There's no need to live a degraded life and subsist on the charity of those whom you try to kill by arson and poisoning. You've insulted one of their wives and usurped their kingdom and wealth. They, they, he attempted to disrobe Bhima's wife, strip her naked in front of everyone. It didn't work there. She was saved. That was two years ago, right? But he was there. He was there. Yeah. Krishna supplied it in unlimited sari, so they would pull the sari, and he just, they just went like that. There was a big pile of cloth on the other side, and they were like, okay. This was in front of everyone. You know, this is very uh, Despite your unwillingness to die and your desire to live, even at the cost of honor and prestige, your miserly body will certainly dwindle and deteriorate like an old garment. He is called undisturbed, who goes to an unknown remote place and free from obligate, all obligations, quits his material body when it becomes useless. He is certainly a first-class man who awakens and understands, either by himself or from others, the falsity and misery of this material world, and thus leaves home dependent fully on the Supreme Personality of Godhead residing in his heart. So this is the word dira. Someone who is fixed and undisturbed in their mind. Please, therefore, leave for the north immediately without letting your relatives know. Now, my friend, 28 years ago, read this book and he left (laughs) everything and he walked from Serbia to India. 
it said, without letting your relatives know. <laughs> and he, he, he walked and hitchhiked from Serbia to India and became a monk in Vrindavan. And he was, he was our uh, ashram leader in Portland. But yeah, and when he got to India, he fell asleep on a bench and then he woke up. Someone took his shoes off his feet. <laughs> For soon the time will come that will just diminish the qualities of men. So this is, he's talking about, remember we said there's a book talking about the future. It's understood that there's a shift in time period. There's a shift in age where the nature of this world is different. That memory is reduced, attention span is reduced, temperament uh, it, the, is reduced, that people become more angry easily quarrelsome. He said, that's about to come. So better you achieve some type of meditative perfection before that period starts. Thus Maharaj Chitarasha, the scion of the family of Ajamidha, firmly convinced by the introspective knowledge, broke at once the strong network of familiar affection by his resolute determination. So it worked. He was like, okay. Thus, he immediately left home. He'd set out on the path of liberation as directed by his younger brother, Vidura. The chase, gentle and chaste Gandhari, who was the daughter of King Supala of Karan, Karantar, followed her husband, seeing that he was going to the Himalaya mountains, which are the delight of those who have accepted the staff of the announced order like the fighters who have accepted a good lashing from the enemy. Maharaj Yudhishthir, whose enemy was never born, that means Maharaj Yudhishthir, he's such a, uh, a magnanimous, kind, and um, saintly king, that he has, people might, he might have enemies in the sense that there's always people in this world that, for any reason, like they're enemies of Jesus Christ, but he did not give them any reason to be envious. He, he would, he would, Maharaj Yudhishthir, whose enemy was never born, okay, so they're asking, where did, your, where did your uncle go? So he ended up going to the forest, and then with meditation, he's not with like sticks, with meditation, he meditated on the fire element within his body and set his body on fire in meditation. And, you know, it disentangled his consciousness from all the elements of existence and established himself in connection to the super soul in the heart. And I think there is a picture of the... There he is. Control. Is that the first instance of spontaneous combustion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's been, there's a long before there's in the fourth canto talks about uh, Sati. Sati is the she was the wife of Lord Shiva and, and she was insulted by her father. She's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to have a body related to that father. And then she just sat in meditation and made her body go on fire. So there you go. So any comments, reflections? We'll start in this side of the room.
Right? Ready to leave home? Who knows? Death could be around the corner. <laughs> some reflections? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Thank you. Some more, Maggie? Let's hear something. Something you remember from the talk. heard that, that uh, a person you don't know if a person's a fool until they open their mouth and like, oh man they look kind of smart he had his glasses and <laughs> it was like whoa it's unre- it, the person remains hidden until they speak they're got some sensibility or or foolish foolishness Well, I was thinking how we um, how we train ourselves to do the right thing, like either be sensible or sensitive. Like how do we perfect that art of the balance? Like like Vidura is sensitive most of his time, but when he needed to be sensible, he could mm. switch, right? So how do so we... that there is. Uh... Constant self-reflection. That that uh, one time devotees they ask, "How do you?" They ask Prabhupada, "How do you know like who are your students?" He said, "They're perfect gentlemen." That means a person they're always doing constant self-reflection. And then another thing is, there's no substitution for actual advancement, and unless you actually become better and better in your in your uh in your fight against the false ego you're not actually making progressive steps in your spiritual life that unless you're then there's there's no substitution if you're not advanced then you definitely will make mistakes no if we're like uh we're just guaranteed that we will make mistakes it's also like you said don't be uh, overly aggressive on ourselves oh I made a mistake I'm such a demon you know we gotta give ourselves some leeway but then understand that the only way we're gonna make the right decisions if we become very mature in our spiritual life my, my one of my teachers he said whatever you'd ask Prabhupada a question Prabhupada, his relationship with Prabhupada, Prabhupada always gave him a sarcastic answer. He said, Prabhupada, he asked Prabhupada, when, we're not, when you're not here, how do we know that we're going to we're do the right thing? Because you know, you know, you're here, then we can clarify. He said, you may try. You'll do the wrong thing. <laughs> and so with that is uh, some idea that, that there has to be... Uh, Maturity. It's not just formula. 
actually have you you have to clean your heart and deal with all those things unless those things are uh, worked at and dealt with continuously then mistakes guaranteed to be made so yeah he was engaging in ashtanga yoga bathing three times a day in the rivers he performed this fire sacrifice and he was drinking only water, controlling his mind. He was performing all that. He was doing Ashtanga Yoga to the point where he had complete mastery of the body and mind. And then he amalgamated his, his ego with his intelligence and then merged that into the supreme being. He just basically like, like matrixed himself. Like, like all the elements started like merging back into the the more subtle, 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 subtle elements so there was no body left. And then merge his consciousness into the supreme consciousness of Krishna. For that stuff. Um, any reflection? Uh, I only caught most, most of it, but one of the things was that uh, one of them was that Everybody makes mistakes, but the point is to learn from your mistakes and not to make the same mistake over and over because then you're not learning anything. And the thing about talking to people, you know, sensibly kind of reminded me of when I was a kid and a Catholic and stuff. And two verses, one of them was broadening your tongue when you speak to somebody in a loving way, even if you have to, like if you're correcting them, you have to broaden your tongue in a loving way. And another verse is, that life or death is in the power of the power of life and death is in the tongue. So if you tell somebody you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly, they don't think that they're ugly, you're ugly. But if you tell somebody they're beautiful, they're beautiful, they're beautiful, they're gonna feel that they're beautiful. And that speaking kindness to somebody is a lot easier than it you know, at the same. Yeah. It wires your brain a certain way. Yeah. yeah. What you speak is what what you think, you know. Uh, I had asked a priest one time, I was like, you know, because I had a problem with certain people and I was like how do I you know I'm supposed to love everybody how am I supposed to be friendly to this person and he says just fake it till you make it <laughs> just like um, say you perceive or maybe you have something that you could offer to somebody else but if you don't have if it's better to let them somehow experience what you have uh, instead of just telling them uh, I'll give you an example like Say somebody is out in the cold and they're, they're, you know, it's winter time, it's totally freezing and they're in the alleyway and they've got this tattered blanket, they're just shivering there. And you go there and you try to take that blanket from them, what are they going to do? They're going to fight for their dear life to hold on to that blanket. Yeah. Um, but if you put a warm, you know, really nice, you know, warm, very capable, you know, blanket, maybe one of those sleeping bags that are, you know, negative 20 or something. It was a really good sleeping bag. Say, hey, now you, you give me this. We can, we can get rid of this. You don't need this anymore. So uh, sometimes we may approach somebody and, and try to deconstruct their whole ideology. Whereas, for example, you can invite somebody to have an experience, and when they have that experience, maybe they'll be willing to accept. It's like if a... You go to a doctor and he says, as soon as you come in, he says, uh, you have cancer. Like, uh, he said, I've seen many people, you have cancer. 
or if he just he gives some kind of uh, prescription, or he, he basically says what. But you didn't have any. If he if he doesn't feel that you have understood that, then he's not willing to understand. So you have to make sure that the person you're speaking to is, feels like they're understood, or they're not going to try to understand what you have to give. Very good. Yeah, there's a there's a actually a Bible verse that sort of goes along with this. Uh, it's from the it's different ones, but it's uh, James three sixteen. It says the tongue also is a fire, the world of unrighteousness. Tongue is set set among the members, defiling all the body, and setting on the fire the course of nature and itself being set on fire by Gehenna. Okay. Other translations use the word Gehenna as hell, but Gehenna in the Hebrew sense means crash dump. That's where everybody would, uh, when a body, like a criminal, oh, died. cremation, yeah. Yeah, when a body died outside, there was a valley of Gehenna that they kept burning uh, as a trash dump. And they would put sulfur in it to cover up the smell. And it was just a big, huge pit, okay? And so if somebody died that was unrighteous, they just throw the body over in there. But the point is, is that tongue can set the whole world on fire. I'm going to give one example. I'm going to say one word, and I want you to think about the tongue of that individual and what he did. Uh, uh, we already know. Who do you think? <laughs> we already know. Hitler. Okay, I think it's Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's a difference between stormtroopers and Trump troopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, this is, a, you know. But, but look what he did. He caught the entire world on fire. And, and, this uh, is his good. Just by his speech. They, they say that he was the second greatest orator in the world. Okay? He, they actually timed him where he would stop speaking and pause up to 90 seconds to speak. Okay? But he set the whole world on fire. So with us, you know, just individually, there's things that we can say. You know, there's times when we can say things in anger. There's times that we say things that maybe is righteous, but maybe we we're indignant to say that. So there's a lot of things that could happen. And once it leaves your mouth, it's not like real that you can pull it back in. So we just need to be careful. I, I heard that um, <laughs> when when you're feeling loving feelings, you probably heard this example before. That you get really close and talk, because the hearts are close, and then uh, and you talk really softly. Buttercup. Buttercup. <laughs> Buttercup. But when you're when you're angry, then uh, your voices get really loud because your hearts are very far apart. You know? <laughs> so you gotta scream because <laughs> the hearts go really far. The voice has to go up. But when the hearts are close. It's like, <laughs> Priya. Okay, Om Tat Sat, thanks a lot. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.